Welcome to My Bible Study, a verse-by-verse devotional study through the Bible with Pastor Bob Thibodeau. In this unique series, Pastor Bob takes you through the Bible just a few verses at a time. No preaching, just a simple Bible reading with examples and explanations of the meaning behind the scriptures. My Bible Study will take you from Genesis chapter 1 all the way through the book of Revelation. Now, here is Pastor Bob Thibodeau. This is an important chapter. We're going to learn so much today. As I said, we have been going. uh, We started Genesis chapter 1 several weeks ago. Uh, This is a a multi-year project. We are going to go verse by verse through the entire Bible with commentary and things that I've learned over the last 25, 26, 27 years. And not just from my own studies, but from conferences I've been at, uh, you know, people I've listened to, uh, other pastors and ministers sharing the gospel, I'm taking notes. I decided we're just going to go verse by verse, and we're going to cover all of that and incorporate as much of it as I can to give you a clear understanding all the way through the Bible. This is just an awesome project, and I'm learning so much as I prepare for these broadcasts. Now, we've gone up through chapter 7. So today we're going to be doing Genesis chapter 8. Hallelujah. You know, the Lord, the thing about the Bible, the Lord wants us to know what happened. Why do we believe what we believe? And he started by telling us how the world was created, how everything was supposed to be. He told us about the fall and the effect it has had. He told us about his plan of redemption and how it's going to end up back in the book of Revelation and throughout, really. But it's so important for you to understand every aspect of how God has prepared for the day and time in which we live today. And that's why we are going through this step by step. Now, you know, When it comes time for understanding about the the flood, and we studied last time, there's like 260 different cultures all around the world that all have incorporated into their traditions and into their history. Ones that have, you know, I mean, someone in the Amazon jungle who never even heard about people in Israel, they still have a story about a massive worldwide flood in their culture. 260 cultures around the earth. So this is something that did happen. It's just not something that's made up, some fantasy thing. Okay. Now, when as we study what happened, well, here's a brief summary of, of what happened with the flood. Noah, we studied last time, entered the ark when he was 600 years old. Actually, if you look at when he was born and when uh, the flood, you know, when he, he got into the, the ark, he was 600 years, 2 months, and 10 days old. Okay. Seven days later, the rain began to fall, and the rain fell for 40 days and 40 nights straight. The fountains of the great deep, which was the subterranean uh, water resources, the caverns, they all busted forth, and the water came gushing out of the ground as well. Uh, it was created, you know, probably it was created by volcanoes and all that, but the flood water spread across the entire face of the planet and rose, and we took talked about how the, the steam and ash and, and things from the, the volcanoes would have penetrated that uh, water canopy that was surrounding the earth, and it all fell. Anyway, the flood water spread, and it 
continued to rise until it covered whatever mountains were in existence at that time to a depth of almost 20 feet. Everything on dry land was wiped out. Every living thing was wiped out. And the flood covered the earth for 150 days. And as the flood waters receded, the ark came to rest in the mountains of what we call Ararat uh, in Turkey. Evidently, you know, it, it, I can't go into details. I, I've received some information from an archaeologist that has been on a study up there. Uh, they received permission from Turkey to finally do a dig in the area they think the ark is. And I'm going to have him back on the podcast, Kingdom Crossroads podcast, to talk about their findings. But it's... it's Eastern Turkey, near the Russian border. Anyway, 74 days later, after the ark came to rest, then the mountaintops became visible. And 40 days after that, Noah sent out a raven. Noah then sent out a dove on three separate occasions, and the third time the dove did not come back. So two weeks later, he saw dry land. And he still stayed in the ark for 57 more days until the Lord told him to leave. This is very important. We'll get into that. And when he left, he was 601 years, 2 months, and 27 days old when he left the ark. Why does all that matter? Well, if you add it all up, Noah spent 1 year and 17 days in the ark. 1 year and 17 days. You know, we, we marvel at the astronauts to spend a year in space, right? And there's, what, maybe four or five astronauts in that little area. Could you imagine could you imagine being cramped up in a, in a small space <laughs> with all the animals and the smells? And, you know, the animals have to eat, and when they eat, they have to do other things, right? This was not a luxury cruise liner, put it like that. It may have been about the size of a cruise boat, but, I mean... You know, this was not a luxury ship by any means. The ark was not equipped with a swimming pool or a shower. All right? There were no movies and no entertainment. There were no fancy, you know, banquet dinners they could go to or, for that matter, even buffet dinners they could eat. There was nothing to do but sit in the boat while it floated around on the surface of the ocean. It was not a picnic, folks. It was not uh, a great time in the ark. Okay, The Bible doesn't tell us anything about Noah's personal emotions during the long time he was in the ark. But we know he was a man of faith who took God at his word. Right? We see that in Hebrews 11.7. That's why he built the ark in the first place. Amen. Uh, but understand, Noah was human also. The sea is really a lonely place. I mean, it would have been easy. Think about if you were just in a rowboat out on the ocean. You see nothing. The horizon on all sides. All alone. Okay? That's the ark. There was nothing anywhere in the world. It's like not like, okay, let's sail five days this way and we'll find land. There was no land. Okay? It's just... Him, his family, and all them animals cramped in this little spot. And he's waiting it out. And he doesn't know how long it's going to be. Right? It would not have been an easy job to sit inside the ark with his family and all those animals. I mean, have you ever traveled in a car for a significant length of time? 
you know, with your family, uh, you know, maybe cross country trip. We used to take cross country trips with our kids all the time when I was in the military, because you know you'd sign out to leave at midnight. Take for example, uh, stationed at Fort Lewis, Washington. We'd sign out at like twelve thirty in the morning, and then we're going to Michigan. And I didn't want to waste time or money sleeping in a hotel, so we just drove and drove and drove and drove and drove and drove. And the car I had at the time, you know, it could go six hours on a tank of gas. So that's six hours. And I wasn't going to pull over and, and, you know, with half a tank of gas just so someone could use the restroom. When I fill up, you use the restroom. You get your drinks, you get your snacks, you're back in the car, we're going for another six hours. Noah couldn't take pit stops every six hours, all right? But have you ever traveled on a cross-country trip like that with wife and your wife or spouse and two little kids or three little kids? I mean, after a while, the kids start fussing each other, you know, because they're getting restless. You know, kids have a lot of energy. Then either my wife and I would be the bad guy and we'd start yelling at them to settle down and, you know, put a pillow in between them so they wouldn't touch each other. She's touching me and all this stuff, right? And don't shout me down when I'm preaching good. You know what I'm talking about. You've done the same thing. Uh, you know, if you've ever taken a trip with your kids in a cramped vehicle like that, you know what I'm talking about. The point I'm trying to make is, imagine if you could not even look out the window. It's like you're riding cross-country on a bus with all the windows darkened so you couldn't see outside. And, you know, the only light came from a skylight in the roof. Not the clear kind where you can see the sky, but one of those, you know, white ones, the translucent ones that just let some light inside so you're not sitting in the dark. All right? You don't know where you're at. You don't know what's happening. You can't get out and look around. You know, well, you know, the bus is stopped for gas. Well, let's just pretend it's a hybrid type of bus. I don't, I don't even know if they make those, but for this example, it'll work. You know, uh, the, the kind that you filled up the tank when you left and... You're charging the battery, it runs on the battery till the battery goes down, then the engine will kick in, and, and just the, the movement from the wheels is recharging the battery. So even as it's running on the battery, it's still charging the battery as long as the wheels are moving, all that. So let's say the bus would never have to stop for gas because it's going to recharge its battery as it's going. Right? In other words, you could go a week or more without even stopping to use the restroom because you got a little spot inside the bus that you can go. Imagine that with, with all of your household belongings, luggage and, you know, foodstuffs and all that cramped in there to boot. And we'll just add 20 or 30 farm animals in there just to make it interesting. Imagine what that would be like. I mean, Noah had hundreds of animals in there, right? I'm talking in a bus. Think about your standard tour bus that you see on the, on the highways and stuff. Your family, 20 or 30 farm animals windows blacked out, and this thing just keeps running. It doesn't stop, not for gas or anything else. Imagine what that would be like. Well, I believe, you know, Noah and his family weren't too happy with their surroundings either, and that they may tend to, to get on each other's nerves just a little bit. You know, did, did Noah ever wonder during all this time, God, where are you at? Why aren't you talking to me? What's going on? You know, did he imagine maybe God had forgotten him? I mean, I couldn't blame him if he had his doubts. I mean, he'd done what God said. You know, he he endured the ridicule and the humiliation and all that stuff while he's building the ark, right? He had preached to the unbelieving world. He built this enormous boat. 
He led the animals into the ark when God sent them to him. And then he entered with his family. Then God shut him in. When God shuts the door, no man can open it, right? I mean, Noah is in this giant boat bobbing up and down with the waves. You know, just one day flows right into another. He can't see the sun because, you know, it, it, he's closed in and there's this little window up top. But, you know, the, because it's been raining, it's, it's cloud cover. And, you know, there's no course that he's following. He's just drifting along on the surface of the water, up and down and left and right. And, you know, I mean, it's just endless monotony. Have you ever felt abandoned by God? Have you ever wondered if God has forgotten you? Have you ever felt as if your prayers were just like bouncing off the ceiling and hitting you back in the head? Well, if so, Genesis chapter 8 is talking about you. The message of, of the chapter is given in verse number 1. But God remembered Noah and every living thing and all the cattle that was with him in the ark. God remembered them. And God made a wind to pass over the earth and the waters aside. In other words, the waters started receding. Right? Consider the simple phrase, though. God remembered Noah. Those three words tell us a great deal about the Lord. One of the great human fears is to be forgotten. For forgotten about. You know, when I used to have our nursing home ministry, I used to hear it all the time. My family's forgotten about me. They don't come visit me anymore. You know, and that's tragic. You know, shut-ins. They might get a phone call once a week from a family member. How are you doing? Just check with you, see how you're, you know, if you're okay. But nobody comes by to visit, or very rarely. And they're just there, in the house, in a prison in their own house. Right? It's, it's terrible. And that's one of the greatest fears people fear being forgotten. You know, we fear death because it means that ultimately we're going to be buried in a box in a grave and the world's going to go on without us and we will eventually be forgotten about. Well, I wouldn't do that to my family. I'll remember, I'll go put flowers at the grave and I'll remember their birthdays. Okay, well, if you doubt what I just said, go to any old graveyard and look at the tombstones of those who were buried, say, in the early 1800s when this nation was being expanded and settled. Who are these people? Where did they come from? What were they like? What did they do? Thank you for joining Pastor Bob as he leads you verse by verse through the Bible in this series called My Bible Study. We pray this study will bring you closer to God and reveal His Word and His will for you through the Scriptures. We would consider it an honor and a blessing if you would support this outreach with your financial offerings. We have partnered with Patreon to offer you unique gifts and benefits for various levels of giving. Please visit our page on Patreon by going to patreon.com forward slash my Bible study podcast, all one word. That link again is patreon.com forward slash my Bible study podcast, all one word. Until next time. Be blessed in all that you do.